Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Housing for the Aged Action Group, PAG for short, a housing group for older people run by old people. Present Raise the Roof! We advocate for secure, affordable and appropriate housing. So listen up on the second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 5.30pm on 3CR 855 on your AM dial. That's right, you're listening to Raise the Roof, the Housing for the Aged Action Group show here on 3CR. My name's Shane and I'm here with Fiona. How are you doing today, Fiona? I'm well, Shane. How's yourself? Feeling great on this beautiful summer day. Uh, Fiona's well, shaking her head. We've had the very wet Melbourne summer. I'm sure, I'm sure the listeners are well aware. Not all of them live in Melbourne. We have interstate and international listeners as well. Well, hello to our international listeners. I'm glad you're so interested in Victorian housing issues. Um, Speaking of Victorian housing issues, Fiona, what are we going to learn about today or who are we talking to? Today we have a guest from the Consumer Action Law Centre, Jared Brody, who is the Chief Executive Officer there. He's been working at CALC, Consumer Action Law Centre, for, he told us, nearly 20 years. Nearly 20 years, can yeah. you imagine? Yeah, amazing. So he's going to tell us a little bit about what they do, the issues for older, um, older people and retirement housing, our favourite topic. All right, well, let's go right into it. So thanks for joining us today. Um, to start with, could you just tell us a bit about like what the Consumer Action Law Centre is and what it does? Yeah, Consumer Action Law Centre, we're a community legal centre and financial counselling organisation. So we provide free legal assistance to Victorians on a range of different consumer issues. Um, it could be fair trading, it could be financial services or utilities. Uh, we also are, are part of the um, National Debt Helpline, so that's the first point of call for someone to call a financial counsellor um, over the phone. Um, and so we've got a team of financial counsellors that answer the Victorian answer point for the National Debt Helpline. Uh, we also provide a range of support services for the broader community service, including a dedicated worker advice service. Um, that's really important for community professionals because they're the ones often dealing with the most vulnerable and disadvantaged, and so we can support them if a consumer issue comes up. Um, and then we learn a lot from uh, wh- who we speak to, all the issues in the marketplace, and we seek to advance um, consumer interest campaigns and policy law reform to get change in the consumer interest. That's awesome. Uh, I know that I, I and my clients have benefited from the worker advice line many times. Um, could you tell us a bit about, like, well, are there consumer issues that particularly affect older people or that older people should be particularly aware of? Look, I think there are. I mean, one issue that we're working on at the moment, which is quite a priority for the centre, um, relates to scams. And I think older people can be particularly vulnerable um, to scam losses. Mm-hmm. Um, not everyone, of course, but some people that aren't uh, necessarily as used to using online technology, um, payment systems and services. And our view is that often they're not sufficiently safe to protect people from scam losses. 
Um, it could be those text messages you, you get or calls over the phone or you're trying to do internet banking and something's going on. Um, and we're seeing a lot of people lose a lot of money uh, to scam losses, including older people, which is really frightening. Mm. Um, other issues we see with older people are often to do with housing, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, housing, uh, particularly uh, people who, have, who might be older and they're struggling financially um, because they you know, may have lost work hours or, or got going into retirement but still have a mortgage. Mm. Um, that can be an issue. Um, or, or have been sold inappropriate products for, for, the, for that cohort. So um, often we hear about people with reverse mortgages, which is a particularly risky type mm. of, of product targeted at older people. Yeah, could you talk to us a bit about what reverse mortgages are? So reverse mortgage is uh, a product that's um, sort of targeted at someone who has equity in their home but doesn't have perhaps a cash flow to make loan repayments or, or to pay for for day-to-day living or a particular expense. So it sort of gives a lump sum amount um, and uh, that, that, that amount is due to be paid out of um, uh, the, the, the proceeds of the property if you ever did sell it or, um, you know, you passed away and, and left that property to your estate. Um, one of the issues is that the costs can be um, quite significant, uh, fees, but also, uh, you know, um, interest costs, um, compounding interest adds up when you're going mm. the other way, and I think a lot of people get um, caught by that. There were some reforms some years ago around reverse mortgages to make them safer, and I think what that means is we don't see them uh, as often anymore, but we do see people with some of those older products back from the 2000s when it was quite popular. Mm. Um, I know that Fiona's going to give me a real, uh, like, I told you so later, because when we were talking about the show, Fiona said, we should ask about scams. I said, well, we should (laughs) tell us what topics we should cover. I feel like scams are becoming more sophisticated than they used to be, because even people that are quite savvy, including some of our staff, have been receiving those text messages saying, hi, mum. Um, my phone's fallen in the toilet and blah, blah. Mm. And it doesn't ask for anything straight up. It's like playing the long game. They mm. ask for you to change the phone number and then it's your kid's number coming up and you think it's your kid. It's pretty – that's a lot better than it used to be, right, in terms of better scams, not not better outcomes. <laughs> that, that's entirely right. It's got very sophisticated in the last few years. Um, and I think that pushing everyone to online communication and commerce during the period of the pandemic has really – contributed to that and and you look at the data that's released by the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission and it's just showing scam losses are going through the roof so mm. this year mm. they're they're forecasting it's going to be 4 billion losses uh, up from 2 billion last year so it's doubling just in the last 12 months which is frightening that's and terrible. some of them are sophisticated the one that really we're seeing a lot of complaints about at the moment is the bank spoofing scams so you get a text message in the chain of text messages that is from your bank that you've had in the past that are legitimate, that mm-hmm. looks like, you know, it, it looks like it's from your bank, but it's actually a, a scammer asking you to click a particular link, maybe a- allowing um, harmful um, phishing software or other uh, techniques to get access to your personal information and your bank account. Mm, that's pretty terrifying. Do you have any advice about what listeners can do to protect themselves against that sort of scam? Look, it's really hard, Shane. I mean, one of the things that I, I keep on saying to, to governments uh, and industry is that it's almost impossible for people to protect themselves, and that's mm. why we've really got to shift the focus back onto particularly the banks, mm. but also the telcos and the social media providers, because they've got the 
the reins, if you like. They've got the capability to do something to protect their systems and their customers, mm-hmm. and I don't think they're ent- entirely incentivized enough to do that at the moment. Yeah, and I guess that's one of the things that I've always thought has been fantastic about Consumer Action Law Centre is the way you use your casework, the people calling your helplines, and you look at some of the patterns there, and instead of... I guess, blaming the individual or looking for solutions for the individual. You're looking at the government and the systems in place and the regulators and what are the laws that are underpinning these things. And I think that strategy is really fantastic and quite rare, actually, in the sector. Um, And one of the work that we've done as Housing for the Aged Action Group and Consumer Action Law Centre together has been around retirement villages Mm -hmm. and working on the regulation. Would you be able to tell us a little bit about, firstly, how this came on your radar as an organisation and then what what you've been doing working towards reform? Yeah, well we first got involved in this issue I'll look at probably nearly 10 years ago um, when we we were contacted by um, residents of of particular retirement villages or parks um, who were uh, feeling very trapped by uh, their contracts. Um, Sometimes uh, you know in one instance there was um, somebody who was just charged, uh, you know, their, their, their weekly charges just skyrocketed, I think almost tripled overnight and without mm-hmm. any explanation. Um, in another case, there was a group of residents who had all signed a very similar contract that allowed for really egregious deferred management charges so that when they were exiting uh, their retirement village, um, potentially to go into aged care where they had higher needs, um, they were being charged with, uh, you know, significant amounts, which meant that their options to go into aged care was really uh, limited. Um, and when we tried to offer advice and assistance to, to these people, it was really difficult. Not only is the legislation very complicated, uh, the, the contracts and, and the, the terms and conditions that, that these people have signed are, are onerous and really um, uh, weighty. So it can be really difficult to provide simple advice and assistance to people in this scenario. And then, let alone working out the legal avenues about what to do next. Um, and so that's why we, yeah, we wanted to talk with others in the sector, like the Housing for the Age Action Group, like Council for the Aging, about how we can work together to, I guess, improve the situation for older residents. Mm. And you had quite a famous test case that you mm. used to demonstrate just how hard it is. Would you be able to tell us a little bit about that and what happened? Yeah, we did. Uh, we had our lawyers act for a, a group of 14 residents uh, from one uh, relatively large um, village out in southern Melbourne. Um, and this was the one I, I was mentioning that were charged the egregious um, deferred management fee. And so we, we took an action on, on their behalf um, to, to VCAT, the Victorian Civil and Administrative Tribunal, um, arguing that, uh, you know, there were breaches of consumer law, including unfair contract terms law, that there was unconscionable conduct, that this company had misled people. Um, and really that, we learned that that was a significant undertaking, uh, <laughs> to act for a group of that many residents in one action, uh, to, for once, for one thing, but then to go through the process of VCAT. Um, you know, which is meant to be a simple to easy to use access to justice forum. Uh, but we found that it, it was uh, very, uh, uh, it took a long time. There were very many different legal steps that you had to work your way through. Uh, and, and really that case from, from where to go took something like uh, two and a half years. Um, and, and in the end, right towards, you know, us getting a, a final sort of finding, uh, right at the end, the provider sort of relented and <laughs> um, changed, agreed to change its contracts uh, quite substantially. Uh, we were able to negotiate in that case 
that they would do the same for not only this village, but they owned about five or six other villages. Uh, we were able to negotiate that they do the same for the other villages as well. Mm-hmm. That was really important to us. Um, but yeah, it certainly showed us that to get access to justice, uh, you know, as an individual retirement village resident is almost impossible to do on your, on your own. And even with a pretty well resourced legal centre behind you, it was very, very difficult and time consuming. Mm. Absolutely. Um, you're listening to Raise the Roof on 3CR, uh, 8.55 a.m. We're here with Gerard Brody, who's the CEO of the Consumer Action Law Centre, and we're just talking about retirement villages and other forms of retirement housing. Um, so from what you're saying, it's probably a good spot for us to talk about some of the reforms the government has recently proposed for retirement villages. And you'd mentioned that VCAT turned out to be not such a great mm. avenue for justice for your, your clients or for retirement housing residents. Um, can you tell us a bit about like what are the proposed reforms around dispute resolution in particular and what what's your view of them? Yeah, well, I think when we worked, you know, we did quite a lot of work uh, with, with your organisation, with Council for the Ageing, uh, with the residents of Retirement Villages of Victoria to really work together to identify the harms and what we thought saw were some of the policy solutions. And so for a long time, um, our organisations have had a view that uh, the, the form for dispute resolution has got to be significantly reformed. VCAT's not working. We need something more um, modern, more efficient, more effective that can... Uh, I guess, uh, produce fairer outcomes in a quicker time frame. So we look to uh, an ombudsman service. Um, an ombudsman exists in other sectors like financial services, like energy and water or telco and even public transport. Um, and they can be much more accessible for people. You can just call them up. You can um, have, a, have a caseworker that helps you resolve it. Um, and they also uh, are... A binding on on, on the um, business entity uh, that that is part of that ombudsman service, so it has teeth, if mm-hmm. you like. Um, and and we felt that uh, a same similar sort of model could well be adapted to the retirement housing sector, um, so as to I guess reduce those burdens for people resolving um, their disputes. And that was really core to to our advocacy on this issue. So um, yeah, that 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 has led to um, some reforms that the government is now proposing around uh, retirement village dispute resolution. Um, and what they're proposing isn't entirely a, an ombudsman. Um, it's it's a, a form of dispute resolution they're calling in the legislation a chief dispute officer, I think they're called. Um, and this would be a person that sits inside the, the government department, sort of alongside consumer affairs, as I understand it, who would be able to receive complaints and to attempt to conciliate them and, and, and even, you know, issue binding orders against uh, the, the provider. So some aspects of that regime look good, although other aspects I am worried about, whether it's going to be as effective as an ombudsman, for example, I worry about the resourcing of such mm-hmm. a body inside the state government. One of the good things about ombudsman schemes is that they are resourced by the industry. So if the industry makes a complaint, they have to pay for it. Um, and that may not happen when it's inside uh, government. Um, and the other aspect of it, you know, the legislation has been now released for public comment and it's quite complex. It's quite detailed. Um, and so having older people or uh, everyday people trying to navigate it, I think will be 
a challenge, mm-hmm. um, and I'm just not sure whether it's going to achieve the outcomes that we hoped for around an ombudsman service. Yeah, I mean, the the review of the retirement villages legislation, my understanding is it received uh, an unusual number of individual submissions. Like, lots of people living in retirement villages were writing in about their own problems. But as you say, like, the, the form in which the legislation's been released and the very short time frame that the government initially allowed... Um, to for people to comment, it's going to make it very difficult for those same people to, you know, assess and then feedback mm. about whether it meets their needs. Yeah, I think that's right. And um, I, I, I look, we've had the state election now, and we've got a new, um, uh, well, government's returned, but a new consumer affairs minister. So I'm hopeful that's an opportunity to revisit some of the legislation to listen to the views of uh, the advocates but also residents in retirement villages and, and hopefully what's being proposed can be improved upon. Um, I would certainly encourage, um, you know, I'd encourage the government to step back a little when it comes to dispute resolution and, and perhaps think about housing more broadly because we know there are uh, similar issues with residential tenancies mm-hmm. where the issues are very are, are quite similar where people have difficulty with VCAT um, and there's been calls for uh, uh, you know a better dispute resolution in that sector and likewise with social housing mm-hmm. um, and I think there was a recommendation from a review from the state government for an ombudsman service in, in that sector. So I wonder whether this is an opportunity for a new government to say well let's have a housing ombudsman that covers mm-hmm. all of these areas and thereby um, is able able to build some expertise about mm-hmm. those particular areas of housing and have the resources to do the job. I think one of the reasons the government was worried about a retirement village ombudsman is that, you know, it is a relatively small sector when you just how many people are actually living in retirement villages across the state. Um, and they were worried about an extra, an extra um, impost of, of costs there. Um, but I think drawing it back to all of housing, that may be a way mm. to sort of ameliorate some of those costs and hopefully have a stronger service for Victorians to resolve disputes with any housing provider. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, I, it, sorry, go ahead. I Fiona. was going to say, I think that model of having a housing ombudsman with some specific expertise around retirement would also help the people that are living in residential parks who are currently not able to access any proposed dispute Chief Resolution Officer under the Retirement Villages Act, and so those people also have similar issues. Um, so we're supportive of that concept as well, and so are our members. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so how, we've talked about some of the reforms in terms of dispute resolution, particularly. Uh, overall, what's your view of the the amendments that were the draft amendments that were released by the government? How do they deal with some of the other issues that you've mentioned? I think there is a lot of positive things in the draft legislation and one of the things that they are bringing out is some really clear principles um, right at the front of the legislation that should be um, adopted for by all the, uh, I guess, actors in, this, in the system, whether that's the uh, village operators or owners, um, but also, uh, you know, the regulator when administering the scheme and really going to recognising the rights of older people. I thought that was positive. Uh, one of the pieces of feedback we provided was it'd be even better if they were sort of enforceable, that, mm-hmm. you know, they actually meant something if they were breached um, and, and have some sort of uh, consequence. So well, I, I hope the government do look at that closely. Uh, there were a range of other reforms, uh, particularly to make contracts fairer and simpler. I, I think they're going in the right direction there. So one of the things they're proposing is to 
um, through regulations is to have more of a standard form contract. Um, look, there's still a lot of work there, I think, because there'll be a lot of debate around the development of those regulations, I imagine. But mm. I think that is the right um, right direction because we know people can't read, you know, hundreds of pages of terms and conditions. They simply don't. Um, and so people are making choices when it comes to retirement villages on, uh, you know, the, the quality and nature of the village when they look around it, the, the price that they're going to pay. Um, they shouldn't have to make their choice about what's on page 47 of our 200-page contract. If they were more standard across villages, I think that would enable people um, uh, to have greater confidence in, in retirement villages that there's not going to be any tricks in the fine print mm-hmm. um, and also actually just improve, uh, you know, I guess the competitive tension even in, in the system by, um, you know, providers focusing on what, what actually matters to people. Mm. And then also, I guess, being able to compare like with like as well. So it's difficult at the moment for residents to be able to do that. Yeah, that's right. And there are some other reforms in there that are positive. Um, you know, I talked about deferred management fees. There is some reforms in that area as well to, to make them fairer and more transparent. So people should know up front what the actual cost will be and it, can't, it won't be dependent on variables that you're unsure of, yeah. which is as, as it is today. Mm. Yeah, and some changes about the allocation of capital uh, capital gains and uh, whether you have to pay for renovation of a unit that you won't benefit from uh, from capital gains on, things like that. I didn't have anything to add. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> I, was looking, I was looking at you as though I did, but I don't. <laughs> um, well, that might be uh, that might be where we wrap up. Then, um, is there anything else that you want to tell our listeners about uh, retirement villages, consumer action? Uh, how they can get in touch or how they can find out more? Yeah, people can contact our centre um, online, consumeraction.org.au. You can get access to our legal advice services and also the National Debt Help uh, Line if people are experiencing financial difficulty. Um, and, I, and I encourage you know listeners who are living in retirement villages or thinking about it, um, yeah, to, to take this opportunity uh, to talk to the, the new... State Minister Danny Pearson um, and Consumer Affairs Victoria about what they think um, because I think that uh, there, there still is an opportunity to strengthen this uh, legislation for the benefit of, of residents in the state. Yeah, because it hasn't actually gone through Parliament yet, we should point out. It was supposed to go through the last term, but they ran out of time, so there could be opportunity to make some changes. Absolutely. We'll definitely be pushing for some changes. Um, well, thanks very much for joining us today. Thank We're going to hear some community service announcements. Have you heard of long COVID? If you or someone you know have had COVID-19, you may still experience symptoms weeks or months later. There are many symptoms of long COVID, but the most frequent are extreme tiredness, shortness of breath, and muscle aches and joint pains. Anyone can experience long COVID, including children. You can find information in your language on the Health Translations website, healthtranslations.vic.gov.au. Just type long covid as a keyword. A 3CR supporter.
opening its doors in 1987, Ross House has become an important part of the fabric of Melbourne. The organisations operating from Ross House form an eclectic patchwork of multicultural groups, self-help groups and small community organisations committed to social justice and environmental sustainability. Organisations such as the International Women's Development Agency, Human Rights Arts and Film Festival and the Wilderness Society have all called Ross House home. To find out more, please visit rosshouse.org.au. Ross House is a 3CR supporter. Um, so, listeners, I really do recommend that you check out the Consumer Action Law Centre website if you haven't before. It has some really fantastic uh, resources for dealing with a whole lot of issues that I had never really even thought about being issues that you could deal with. You know, it just seemed like the grinding of capitalism and how it affects you. But um, if anyone's ever tried to collect a debt from you, uh, including credit card companies, you know, utility companies, all kinds of things like that, um, or, you know, a Centrelink debt, whatever it might be, lots of really amazing uh, resources, template letters you can fill out, uh, just information about your rights. I think it's really great. Also things like people knocking on your door trying to sell your stuff. Door well. knockers. Yeah. Door knockers, what, offering you free headphones? Is that it? Yeah, free headphones, free light bulbs. Sorry, I'm just having a go at Fiona, obviously. That was a, a terrible in-joke. Um, Fiona, we recently had our annual general meeting. What, yeah. What, what's the big news coming out of that? Well... We have a new chairperson who listeners of our show may be familiar with hearing her dulcet tones. Um, Pam Young is our new chairperson. She is a resident of a, um, what do you call that, an independent living unit? We could call it that, sure. Yeah. Um, a rental village, something like that. Not a rental village. Not a rental village. Anyway, she's a, she grew up in public housing and she lives in um, a form of retirement housing. She's been a member of HAG for quite a long time on various working groups and now she's stepped up to be chairperson. Um, so great news for us that hey, she's sticking around. You hear her voice in the intro to every episode of this show? You do, yeah. She also has a passion for community radio. She's on a, another show doing a jazz a show. rival station? Oh, no, a rival station, another community radio show in the southeast. And we also had to say a sad farewell to Phil Williams, who has been our chairperson. She's been on the committee since, oh, I think for 12 years or something. 12 years? I know, right? No, yeah, not that long. long time. Nah. Time flies. And chairperson for the last three or four years, she stepped in in a time of turmoil for the organisation and, and has led us through various reviews, our first accreditation, a bunch of growth. So she's been a fantastic chairperson as well. And she'll be obviously sticking around as a member, uh, part of our retirement action group and... Um, and general member, so you'll still see her around. Maybe we'll drag her in here to talk about housing stuff sometimes. Oh, she would love that, yeah. And we have a new member of our committee as well, Anne Bronwell. So changes all around, but not too radical. <laughs> Just how we like it, yeah. a little bit, a little drop of change. Slow change is good change. Um, speaking of changes, when is the, what's happening to Hag over Christmas? Yeah, so uh, our office will be closed between Christmas and New Year. Um, there's a whole heap of public holidays, but basically between Monday the 26th and Friday the 30th, our 
office will be closed, so you won't be able to drop in, but you will be able to leave us a message. Um, Shane will give out the contact details shortly. And if you have an urgent housing or homelessness issue that you need imminent help with, for example, if you don't have a place to stay overnight, you can call the local homelessness access point, which you can access by calling 1800 825 Say that again more slowly. 1-800-825-955, and then you'll be directed to your nearest access point. Thanks. So that, that is available, like that's particularly if you need help during the, the break, but yeah. that's available all through the year, yeah, right? Yeah, it's available all through the year. Ordinarily, we would encourage people to call us and we'll assist people to find, you know, access that help, but seeing as we won't be in the office it's probably best just to directly call them. So if you do want to give us a call uh, before or after the Christmas break or to leave a message over the Christmas break, the numbers you can contact us on are, if you want to get in touch about policy stuff, maybe retirement housing, uh, ch- trying to convince the government to give us an ombudsman or something like that, uh, the number is 03 That's 9654-7389. Uh, or if you want to get in touch because you're an older Victorian, you need some help with housing, number to call is 1300 765 178. That's 1300 765 178. Uh, we are almost out of time. We are going to continue with our quest to have a more diverse lineup of music on this show. As requested uh, as, by as, our hardworking staff. As proposed by uh, a listener who gave us some useful feedback. Too much Beyonce. Scandal. Uh, so this week we're going to play a song that was requested by our co-worker Steph. Uh, it is going to be very familiar to 3CR listeners because it is an absolute banger and a classic. Uh, we are going to hear from uh, Paul Kelly and Kev Carmody. You can hear it behind me already. This is From Little Things, Big Things Grow. Uh, thanks very much for listening. We'll be back. Well, there'll be a special episode in a couple of weeks. I've got to stop talking. Bye! Story, an eight-year-long story of power and pride, British Lord Vesey. Vincent Lingyari were opposite men on opposite sides. Bestie was fat, money and muscle. Beef was his business, broad was his door. Vincent was lean, spoke very little. He had no bank balance, our dirt was his floor. From Things, big things grow from little things, big things grow. The Ringy were working for nothing but rations, but once they had gathered the wealth of the land, daily the pressure got tighter and tighter. The Ringy decided. They must make a stand They picked up their swags Started old walking At Waddy Creek They sat themselves down Now it don't sound like much But it sure got tongues talking Back at the homestead Then in the town From little things Big things grow From little things Investing man said, I'll double your wages, seven quid a week, 